Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. We uh, just wrapped up two episodes on the Oscars, so you know what comes now. You're in advance predictions. That's right. Half of you are telling me to fuck off and half of you are delighted. Uh, that can only mean it's a new episode of the Awards Radar podcast. As always, I'm Joey, and I am joined once again by Miles. Hi, everybody. I love your in advance predictions. They make so much sense to do. That is not the text message I got from him earlier today. And uh, Steve. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve. His programming is malfunctioning, so, you know, he's he's a real boy today. I told I kind of like the joke that you're a robot. Joke. Uh, oh, yes. Joke. Yeah, joke. Yes, yes. Processing. Humorous. Funny. Humor. Yes. I know. Took a second. Uh, yeah, so we're going to do a lot of year in advance stuff today and probably into the next couple weeks. We'll space it out a little bit, but uh, along with a special bonus that's coming soon. But uh, before we do that, we'll just briefly mention we're recording this on Star Wars Day. So belated May the 4th be with you all. Oh, thank you very and, much. Uh, ver- oh. And also with you, Miles. And uh, might uh, I add, this is the May. Uh, yes. Uh. Mm. I, I am I am one with the force and the force is with me. See, I went poignant. Um, ironically, quiet day in Star Wars world, Star Wars lore. We kind of like had people reiterate the schedule for the next couple movies, which is, you know, years away, but you'll be alive. So don't worry about it. Probably. Whereas uh, the day before Marvel released a trailer for going back to the movies, I suppose mm-hmm. um, that was rather phenomenal and teased out their next like you know five years worth of films and i had uh, i had tweeted that it should have just been a segment at the oscars it would have done a better job of you know pitching the industry than than they did so that's where we stand right now that uh, was pretty Not- pretty amazing yeah, it really was. Well, and I did speculate that um, after Chloe Zhao won her two Oscars, um, that they would do well to give us at least a little bit of something from Eternals. And sure enough, we did get the very first footage. It's only like, you know, five seconds worth of footage, but it's something. It, it could easily be a clip from any movie ever made. It is a there are two different images of people standing there. But, you know, I'll take it. I don't I don't hate it. And uh, and yeah. Even even hypothetically a tease of Fantastic Four, though TBD there, because it was just a symbol. <laughs> hey, I'm excited, but, and we got uh, we got titles yeah. for uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever and the Marvel. I I feel like we could have guessed the first one. Maybe I I was on the fence about whether they would go back to the Iron Man convention of actually bringing numbers in again, because outside of the Guardians movies, they're all about the subtitles. But I feel like there's got to be one more series that goes back to just numbers. Yeah, well, I mean, this one made sense just because it was, you know, Wakanda forever feels like the best way to involve like, no, this is about Wakanda. Exactly. Um, And whoever else becomes the Black Panther, because argue as you might like, it's what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, then and then the Marvels is an interesting like. I don't I don't feel like they're backing away from Captain Marvel, but they're sensing an opportunity to you know continue the team up movies that they love so much. 
Exactly. They're doing a two-in-one where it is a Captain Marvel sequel, but also they get to pay off uh, Monica Rambeau from WandaVision and Miss Marvel, who's getting her own show, maybe later this year or early next year. Yeah. And also, wasn't the rumor early on, maybe before the script was written, that Spider-Man was going to be like in the team-up? I don't think that's the case anymore, but I do recall them seeking to pair her with someone. So maybe this worked. Maybe they figure WandaVision is popular enough that it'll it'll do the trick. Right. Well, and they're all related enough, especially in the comics. So it, it gels. And there was talk about them doing sort of an all-female team-up movie as well. And I think we were hoping for more people like, you know, Valkyrie and uh, Gamora and a couple of the other side characters. But this is a good start. Yeah. No, no complaints. Um, let's move to a uh, question from the audience. We have a filmaholic face-off from Ryan. He uh, he deems them Steven Soderbread films. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed they're not food puns. So uh, only one point in extra credit for Ryan. But uh, here you go. Aaron Brockovich or Traffic, which I guess would be Aaron Brockovich or Truffle. Uh, I'm going with Traffic. It's one of my all-time favorites and easily my favorite of the Everything's Connected drama ensemble genre mm. i'll go ahead and brockovich mm-hmm. albert finney uh, always a fan yeah true i'll i'll go traffic and uh, excuse the terrible food puns i'm i'm recording this very very tired and very very hungry so this is what i do for you people <laughs> um yeah so traffic i think for me as well oceans 11 so ocean spray 11 or Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky Charms. Oh. That one's better. I think I did I think I did better with those two. Uh, I'm going to go Logan Lucky. That one was a very pleasant surprise. And also, I think the Oceans movies are overrated. I agree Steve. with the uh, assessment of the Oceans movies, especially the first one where the electromagnetic pulse being perfectly timed to 30 minutes destroyed any kind of uh suspension of disbelief and totally ruined the movie so i will go with logan lucky which i think is better anyways is that an actual issue you have or is it a robot issue so you have a problem with it i will also say even that while i agree with you still more believable than don Cheadle's accent huh. fair or don Cheadle. yeah <laughs> I agree that Logan Lucky is good. I think of the Oceans movies, Oceans Eleven is the most memorable, just because it's you know. I feel like of the two, I'd more, I'd more be more likely to put it on like in the background while I'm doing something. So I made just for argument's sake, go Oceans Eleven. Get set, folks. Ocean Spray Twelve or Ocean Spray Thirteen? I think Thirteen. Yeah, Thirteen. But I don't really like either of them. I give it Thirteen because of Al Pacino. Yeah, I think I think Twelve was felt obligatory in 13 they at least were like well that last one was fair let's let's try to you know right the ship a little bit which you know that's fair uh magic mike or high flying bird so that would be uh magic milk or high flying I don't know. Someone, someone fix this for me. Frying, or high frying bird. There we go. Yeah, high frying bird. We good. did it. Yeah. Um, the answer is Magic Mike. But you, but Miles, go ahead. Uh, no, yeah. it is Magic Mike. That's a shockingly entertaining and accessible movie, and don't be turned off from it because it's about male dancers. Or be turned on from it if that's what it does it for you. Well, I know a lot of people who would like write it off because of that, but it's actually like very well made and well acted and entertaining. 
Yeah. Can I can I say that uh, that was the press screening? There was people like like ironically watching it. Like I remember people walking in and like pretending to be like stripping. They're like, oh, look at this stupid thing we're watching. And five, 10, 15 minutes go by. I can't remember. But there was definitely a point where the theater got very quiet because people were like, oh, this is a film. Like we're watching a movie. This is not, you know, trash. It's not it's not showgirls. We're watching like an actual movie about this that's taking it seriously. Go figure. Um, not to take anything away from High Flying Bird, by the way. I think that's a pretty good movie. But Magic Mike for me. Steve? I've actually seen neither. So Magic Mike oh. for the reason you described. I've always and – and I know better now, but – I think my wife would think it's weird if I just like, hey, let's. <laughs> let's watch I mean, you're Magic the. Mike. I mean, you're the only male in the house. I think you've got a nice double feature of Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL coming. How is that the second one? I gotta say the second one's great. I don't know how Miles feels about is it. it. I never watched the second one. I, I, Can, I heard the it second one. The second one is not as um, a film, you know. Like the first one is is almost is pretty much a drama. Yeah, you know. The second one is closer to a comedy, and I got to say, one of, if not the most sex-positive Hollywood movies I've ever seen. Right on. They, um, there's, there's a recurring theme. So Steve will be puzzled, but Miles will understand. So Big Dick Richie, you know? Also, best name of a character in decades. Um, you know, he, they're all a little older, and he's starting to feel sad because he, he's having – he feels like he'll be alone forever because of, you know – said issue so he's looking for his glass slipper is sort of the joke and he uh in the third act sleeps with someone and they see him the next day and he's smiling and i think it's kevin nash is like glass slipper and he goes glass slipper and they're all so happy for him it's this really touching scene of like oh you had satisfying sex that like isn't judged like it's very i don't know it's a very entertaining movie right on well i have to say i'll have to check it out whenever it's reasonably appropriate for me to do so yeah, I mean, I feel like I can. I'm deciding between uh, just assigning it or being like, should we wait until Kendall and Casey come back? I feel like they would be into this idea. <laughs> um, I will text them. By the way, we're recording this on Casey's birthday, so happy birthday, Casey! Happy birthday, Casey! Um, happy birthday! Yeah. Uh, let's remove all fun from the equation now. Contagion or side effects? Oh, wow. <laughs> so because... contagion would be. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Trying... Um. I should really plan these out, right? Um, Corn-tagin. Sure. And spice effects. Not good, but whatever. <laughs> back back to the movies. I will say, just like hearing all of these back-to-back, it does really, you know, shine a light on just how diverse Soderbergh's career has been. Like, you cannot pin him down. Give him credit for that. True. Though I will say, maybe don't give him an Oscar ceremony. Well, give him an Oscar, just don't give him the ceremony. Yeah. We, give we him the Golden that. Globes. That's fine. Actually, sure. I no think Oscars. he would make the Globes entertaining. That's true. Uh, I'm going to say Contagion, by the way. I, I rewatched it uh, last March because I'm a monster. And uh, it's uh, eerily accurate and very upsetting. Yes. I did the same, and I completely agree. The, the terminology, everything they were saying in there, and, and some of the and it's like, damn, did they make this this month? But no, it's like, what, 10 years old at this point? Yeah. Which was scarier. It's like, well, wait, so if they got this right, the Gwyneth Paltrow falling to the floor, foaming at the mouth, that is possible yeah. too. Yay. 
I mean, I, I, I remember at the time reading, and then I think he reposted it, uh, Mike Ryan interviewed Scott Burns, you know, the, the, the writer of the film, now a director in his own right. And he said the first thing they heard from, they spoke to like CDC people and all that. The first thing they got when they gave them the script for like, you know, what, what's scientifically accurate, what's not. Maybe it was even like a treatment phase. And they went, well, the first thing you should know is we're massively overdue for one of these. So even then, like 10 years ago, they were told like, this is going to happen. <laughs> so uh, just know that. So, you know. We, by the way, side effects is good. It's just contagion is very good. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, contagion as well. It's it's a tough watch, but it's one of the best versions of that kind of movie I've ever seen. Uh, Great ensemble cast. Side effects is good. It's just not great. Yeah, side effects is is like side effects was going to be his last film for a while. And I just felt like, well, that's a little tossed off to be your your last film. Contagion, at least. Yeah, it felt like an event film. I I saw it with my ex at like one of like our first like movie dates, I think. And you know, it, it did seem like you were watching an event film and then you watch it like, well, this is, this is quite morbid. Um, good, but also like, uh, so young love, I guess, you know, <laughs> it you know, it was a, a bit of a mood killer, I suppose. For most of 2022. Steve. Yeah. Steve's on contagion, right? Contagion. Yes. Yes. All right, cool. Um, and the second question is going to lead us into our main conversation. Actually, uh, our own Mitchell has uh, placed this question. Mitchell asks, if you could put a bet down right now on one guaranteed nomination for next year's Oscars in the big six categories, what would it be? And if you want to hold your answer, hold your answer. Well, before we get into the year in advance predictions, uh, we do want to sort of debut a new semi-recurring segment on the show. We're going to call it Radar Review. And it's basically where some or all of us will uh, watch a film that, you know, maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but a little little something that you should have on your radar. And uh, this week, Steve and I watched a interesting little film called Limbo. Uh, it's directed by Ben Sherrick. It's only his second film. And it basically... It's a dark comedy of sorts uh, that's set on this fictional Scottish island, and it's all about a Syrian refugee named Omar, who is fleeing sort of uh, his home country, which is in the middle of a bit of a war. Uh, The specifics are sort of left intentionally vague, but he's dealing with sort of abandonment issues with his family, unresolved issues with his brother. He's waiting to see if he's going to be granted asylum and if he's going to be able to go to London and work. There's a whole sense that he wants to be this musician. He's carrying around his grandfather's oud, which is like a Syrian guitar, uh, but he hasn't really practiced in a while. It doesn't really feel like home anymore. And so the film sort of deals with him grappling with this sense of where does he fit? Where does he belong and he's stuck on this island that's pretty sparsely populated for the most part so it's mostly just other refugees like himself and the occasional local most of which are somewhat racist but mostly you know not offensively so but you know it's not the most hospitable living environment he'll go to a grocery store and there'll be five condiments that he can choose between if that Um, So it's a bit of a difficult situation, but the film kind of looks at it with this sort of dry comedic stance. It deals with the seriousness of the subject matter, but it also um, sort of takes a step back and lets you kind of chuckle at the absurdity of everything. Uh, Steve, what did you feel about this one? 
Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it took a little while for me to figure out kind of how much I did enjoy it or, or what I was watching because I watched the trailer, which I don't usually do, and it made me believe I'd be seeing something a little bit more of like an oddball comedy where this is more of a heartfelt, uh, still some oddball elements, but more of a heartfelt story about this this man's journey and, and his future and his past. Um, that threw me off. But once it, it got going and once I knew what I was watching, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. There's a lot of fun, like interesting scenes or entertaining scenes that work uh, individually better than I think they do as part of the whole. Um, like As you mentioned, the, the store where there's very few things on the on the shelves but there is a sign that tells you that you shouldn't be pissing in the freezer aisle, which <laughs> you you wonder why you, you need a sign like that. There's also a um, this classroom for cultural awareness, pretty much an assimilation uh, course to help these refugees find their way into uh, a new world. And uh, those some of those were quite funny, but also heartbreaking at times as you're they had this one exercise where, about I used to, and you have to fill in the blank and write a sentence about what you used to do. And one one man was struggling with it. The, the next man steps up and tells about how he used to cry, but now he has no more tears. And you're like, when you think about their situation, they don't have a home. They're, they're living in limbo, waiting to find out where they belong. It's got to be completely depressing and uh, days must seem like weeks, and weeks must seem like might like years. The tonal changes cause the pacing to feel a little bit off uh, for me, but but overall, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair point. It's very slow. It's very deliberately paced, um, which in one stance is very effective because it very much puts you sort of in the mindset of the characters. Um, you know, Omar is a pretty recent... Um, sort of uh, transplant to the island but he has a roommate um named he has a roommate named farhad who's apparently been waiting to find out if his asylum status will be approved for something like 39 months so there's a very real chance that he could be waiting several years before finding out if he's even allowed to leave this little island or if he has to go right back home where his family is you know just on the outskirts of a war that's breaking out so it's definitely it takes great pains to put you in the shoes of the characters i think uh a lot can be said for the lead performance of amir el masri who viewers might know he had a bit role in the rise of skywalker but he was also on amazon's jack ryan series he does a lot without a lot of facial expression there's a lot happening behind the eyes and a lot Mm -hmm. he can do with just a look to really communicate sort of what he's thinking it's the kind of movie which is funny because because that comes up in in the film where they are talking about just expressing things just through your eyes. And- exactly. And I think it's sort of a note that the whole cast has. It's, it's very sparse. The dialogue mm-hmm. is very, it doesn't, it almost has this stop and start flow to it where people would just change subjects, you know, mid sentence sometimes, or just sort of jump from one topic to the other. And I think they're all just trying to kill time and, 
figure out what they can do when they do get to the mainland, if they ever do, and just sort of trying to make the best of it. One of the other roommates has dreams of being a professional footballer for Chelsea, even though, as his brother points out, he's not actually that good at football and the odds are a million to one. Um, But it's just things or like, you know, uh, Omar himself would love to be a musician. And apparently he did. He wasn't famous, but he was maybe at least somewhat known in his home. And now he doesn't really have that anymore. And he's uncomfortable with playing music. Um, And you hear a lot about his past through the phone calls. So there's there's several uh, phone calls to where he reaches out to his family and you it's it's kind of it is that connection to his past and who he was and and the world he left behind in search of a better life. And it's always calling him back. His parents are always telling him about what's going on there. And maybe you didn't make the right choice. He seems to be just a, a he's just kind of a lost soul. Doesn't have anywhere to go. And, I, and, and you see that, too, in the kind of in the in the cinematography, the way they it's a lot of shots of this like desolate, gray, empty, almost similar to like a nomad land. Yeah, very much so. One thing I didn't understand was why the four by three. So that to me, because I was just about to touch on the cinematography, which in many ways I feel like is the highlight of the film. There's a lot of the setting that they found strikes this perfect balance between looking beautiful and desolate at the same time. I think the four by three is meant to sort of enhance this sense of isolation, even though he's in this vast sort of space, there's not really anything in it. There's a lot of shots of just his bright blue jacket wandering around the very desaturated looking fields. And when the snow hits, it gets even more lost and all that. So I think it's meant to give this compressed sense of even though they have all this space, they really feel kind of isolated from everything else and everyone else and then trapped too. trapped that's exactly it and then without giving anything away there is a point later in the film where the aspect ratio shifts and i think that visually represents sort of this moment of growth for the character that's visually i think very well communicated were there other favorite moments that you had uh, my favorite, I I thought the most compelling subplot was the relationship with his brother who chose to stay behind and fight in the war in Syria. And there's this sense of guilt throughout of maybe he should have done the same thing. And his parents kind of look at his brother as a bit of a hero. And even though he's a potential martyr and they keep saying, you know, they didn't leave things on great terms. And his mother keeps saying, you know, you, sh- you need to talk to your brother because you might not get another chance. And without giving too much away, there is a scene later in the film where he and his brother do have a bit of a heart to heart. And even though the circumstances that lead to that moment aren't necessarily what you would expect, the interaction between them, I think, really does get to the heart of the struggle of the movie and his personal journey towards sort of rediscovering himself when he doesn't have his home, when he doesn't have the family touchstones that he's used to, when he plays music, but it doesn't sound the same. And, uh, the interaction with his brother, I think, goes a long way towards helping him get a better sense of who he is now and who he can be going forward. All right, well, let me ask you this. In a perfect world where we didn't have to worry about things like competition, what could you see this film getting nominated for at the Oscars? Because it did actually uh, receive two BAFTA nominations earlier this year for Outstanding British Film of the Year and Outstanding Debut by a British Writer, Director, Producer. The categories I'd, I'd consider cinematography, screenplay, lead for... Uh, Amir El Masri. That's, that's it. Those are the three that stand out. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think cinematography is sort of the, as I mentioned before, I think is the highlight of the film. It's very nice to look at. And I think in a lot of ways, the visuals tell more of a story, whereas the Mm -hmm. script itself is a bit more sparse. But that said, it is very well written. It's got its comedic moments, but it still plays the refugee experience very honestly and sometimes very painfully. And uh, I think that's definitely commendable. And as we mentioned before, I think the lead performance is excellent. You know, one thing I think you should keep in mind when you watch this is to really just be patient with it because it's not... Uh, it's not what the marketing showed it to be. It's not zany and a bunch of oddball characters where you're going to be laughing. But there are these subtle moments and very poignant moments. It's actually uh, a commentary on, on racism. Seeing these people for who they are. They're, they're these people looking for opportunity, looking for a, a home and looking for a, a life that's better than the one they had. You take your time and take it for what it is. And if you do, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's very subtle. It's very drawn out. I would say if you like the films of, for example, Yorgos Lanthimos, there were stretches of it that reminded me a lot of The Lobster, especially the cultural awareness uh, classroom Mm -hmm. scenes. I think if you like films like that, there's a teensy bit of influence from people like Wes Anderson or the Coen brothers, but not quite as overtly comedic as they can be. Um, but if you like that kind of deliberate pacing and if you're interested in sort of this emotional story about an experience that some of us in the more privileged parts of the world wouldn't necessarily have access to, then I think it's definitely something worth seeking out. Yeah, I think your comparison with like Wes Anderson and the Coen brothers, it's kind of like those, but set at maybe a four or a five out of 10. This is, is much more subtle. Yes, very, very subdued. That feeling of isolation through the cinematography, through the editing, um, is is very deliberate. Just keep that in mind. You see this, and you go, "Shit, maybe I need to kind of reassess my uh, my stance on these things and be a little more compassionate." Absolutely. I think you're right on the money there. I think this is one that not a lot of people would potentially be exposed to, but I think a lot of people could get a lot of value in, both because it's just a good story well told, but also because I think people need to get that exposure to these stories that they otherwise uh, wouldn't be privy to. So would you recommend it? I would definitely recommend it. Would you? I'd recommend it as well. I think it's, uh, it's definitely worth your while. It's our first segment of Radar Reviews. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, let's get back to Joey. We are going to talk about potential year in advance nominations. I was waiting for, for Miles to... Uh... Listen, I'm just going to get this off my chest now and then we can move on. Should I, should I quote you? Or do you want to you give your own uh, I I'll, your I'll, own I'll basically paraphrase myself. Um, year in advance predictions are stupid. It's stupid for us to attempt to judge the merits of films that nobody has seen, most of which are not finished, some of which have not even finished filming. It's a preposterous thing. It's pure guesswork. And anyone who gets on their high horse saying, I predicted this a year ago, is full of it. Carry on. Listen, I I like being right. So, you know, if I'm (laughs) right, good on me. But you can't proclaim to know. It's not... It's the thing that I hate so much about, like, showing your receipts. Like, it's not a receipt. You guess the right way. That's like assuming if I peed out the window, I might it might get into somebody's mouth. Like, sure, it can, but you can't claim any skill in that. And why would you do it in the first place? Um, though we're going to do this anyway. And I've, I will say, since we brought that up, I've gotten it right once. 
Do you have any guesses what movie it was? Twelve Years a Slave. No. Miles? No Man Land. Argo. Oh, I got Argo right a year in advance. I think I called it um it might have been untitled uh, Ben Affleck project, but I think I got it right. I also came very close with um American Hustle when it was still Abscam, but you know, they don't they don't go for David O. Russell just yet. What did you pick the Moonlight Year? The Moonlight Year Let me look it up. I wanna say probably La La Land if I knew it existed. But I'm gonna look it up. As we do that, let me ask you. So we can vamp. Is there a film that you have your eye on? Just as like, ooh, I, I, I want to track this throughout the year. You know, we have plenty of movies that we like and we're interested in. Miles and I are, you know, very obsessed about, you know, Saw. So Spiral is a uh, big thing, which um, I'm not going to say I'll have seen by the time you're listening to this because there's an embargo, but I'm, I'm not going to say that I maybe haven't seen it. Who knows? There's a lot of movies I could be going to see at the movie theater because I'm going to be some as to, when you listen to this the day before I'll have gone to a movie for the first time in 14 months. So you know what? That's what we're going to talk about while I look this up. What do you think the first movie, Steve, that you're going to go to see is? I know Miles has gone, but like Miles, what do you think the first like I'm going to go and it's going to feel like I'm going to a movie as opposed to like I'm briefly leaving quarantine um probably um is spiral <laughs> well pro i mean i am gonna go see spiral for sure um i don't know it's tough for me to say honestly i feel like i did have that experience uh earlier this year with godzilla versus kong it was about as packed as it could be at the you know lower percent capacity but the mm. entire audience that was there was very into it and it was the first time that i felt like that movie theater experience where everyone's on the same page and that was kind of special solid all right uh steve so mine will be black widow cool i may go before then but i definitely want to go back to something big all right cool so i have a couple of years worth of previous year in events predictions i can show you guys as we get into what's going to be about this year so I have um, the year that Birdman won. I'll, I'll tell you that here was my, uh, my 10. Big Eyes. It was just alphabetical. So Big Eyes. Whoops, right? Birdman. I had it in my 10. Boyhood. So there's two. Fault in Our Stars. Maybe a little bit of a reach there. Foxcatcher. Damn good. Damn good guess. Because I think it was a year, you know. It had been delayed a year already. Gone Girl. Inherent Vice, Interstellar, Men, Women, and Children, Unbroken. So, not not awful. No. Well, I would say I had Bennett Miller safe guesses throughout most of that year. Yeah, I had Bennett Miller and Linklater in director, so I got two there. I had Carell and Keaton in actor. Uh, I had Pike in actress. I had Norton, Ruffalo, Simmons in a supporting actor. That was pretty good. I had Arquette. And supporting actress, that's pretty good. So yeah, like I'm not, I'm not like awful at these, but they're they're complete guesses. For um, then 2015, that was uh, the Revenant and Spotlight. Let's see what I did there. My number one was Saint James Place, which would eventually be called um, Bridge of Spies. So fine right i think that's a that's a fair safe like whatever yeah. my number two was our brand is crisis so Ooh. whoops <laughs> um number three joy well it was a reasonable so we're, we're, guess at the time 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, four, The Hateful Eight. Five, The Revenant. Six, Steve Jobs. Seven, Demolition. So, whoops there. But I'm going to I'm gonna brag a little bit. My number eight was The Martian, and that was in February of 2015. So I was I was early on the Martian. Impressive. Unfortunately, my number nine was Sea of Trees. Oh my god! <laughs> and my number ten was the end of the tour with eleven being Carol. It's not bad though. What you had about five though that hit did not have Spotlight. Yeah, we also didn't know Spotlight existed at the time. Uh, I had Brooklyn at twenty. And the rest are, you know, largely movies that turned out to be bad. So the less spoken about them, the better. Uh, here. So the year that Moonlight won. I'm going to go on the a limb and I'm straight up guarantee you I don't have Moonlight because I don't think I knew it existed until the summer. This was done on March 4th, 2016. If it loads. There we go. Um, oh, wow. Okay. My number one was Manchester by the Sea. Two was Silence. I mean, safe, you know. My three was La La Land, so so far not bad. My number four was Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. <laughs> uh, whoops. My number five was The Light Between Oceans. That's also a whoops, though I don't think it's a bad movie. My number six was Jackie. I was early on Jackie. It, it you know, turned out to not to be a Best Picture movie, but that was pretty good. My number seven is The Birth of a Nation. Well, you know, yeah, but there again, is an alternate reality where if certain drama hadn't cropped up, that might have actually gone a bit further. Exactly. So I'm going to I'm going to say in March, that was a, that was a good pick. My number eight was Lion. That was pretty good. My, yeah, my number nine was The Founder. Nothing to be ashamed of there, I think. Uh, my number 10 was Passengers. Oh, well, which looks which looks worse when you see it. Number 11 was Sully, whatever. My number 12 was Story of Your Life, which became a rival. Hmm. Yeah, well, was, that's the, the name short of the story uh, was short called story, story of Your Life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, listen. Not not great, but not bad. Let's see. Let's just let's keep going. Let's lead into uh, the new crop. As we establish that I'm not awful at these, but it's a goddamn crapshoot where you have only the basest of information. Here, the next year, my number one was Dunkirk. Not bad. Which I feel like at, at that time, you, you really had to probably have it there. Uh, my number two was Mother. Well, now I contend that I'm right and, and the voters are wrong, but still... There's, yeah, there's, we also, um, in March 3rd, 2017, did not know what Mother was about. We just knew that Jennifer Lawrence was making a movie with, with Darren Aronofsky. I think so, some people still don't know what it's about. That's true. I would argue uh, that my director th- didn't know what it was about. Uh, he would, he would, I think there's a, there's a character coming to Sugar and Spicy. <laughs> um, my number three was Darkest Hour. My number four was the uh, then-untitled Catherine Bigelow Detroit Riots movie. Again, I think I'm right and they were wrong, but still. 
Well, and that was a definitely valid guess based on the information we would have had. Yeah, we just then watched them and was like, wow, this is bleak even for her. I think they're going to forget about it. Uh, my number five was Molly's Game. Fine. Nothing wrong with uh, having that there. My number six was the untitled Paul Thomas Anderson Project, which became Phantom Thread. Sure. That worked out pretty well for me. My number seven is a movie that still does not exist. The Kidnapping of Edward, Edgardo Mon- Montero, the uh, Spielberg movie that was supposed to be Mark Rylance and Oscar Isaac and written by Tony Kushner. It, uh, it never shot. So uh, not great, I'm going to say. Number eight, Downsizing. Ooh. Yeah. Number nine, Battle of the Sexes. Number 10, The Current War. 12, I had uh, Call Me By Your Name. Some of those on paper look like look like real winners. Yeah. But... 12, I had Call Me By Your Name. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I had the untitled Dick Cheney biopic at 17. I think like two years early, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know what? I had Logan at 25. I take a little credit there, even though it didn't, you know, happen. Hey, you got it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. But listen, it was, it was, it was around the time it just came out, and I think there was a lot of articles saying it's not going to be a player. So a little bit there. All right, the next year, my number one was First Man, which, uh, you know, again, I'm going to say I'm right, and they were wrong. And I remember this is, uh, I'm doing this on in March, March of 2018. My number two was Backseat, which then became Vice. And I think it came out that year, right? Uh, which year was this? This was the year of First Man and... I think you're right. I think it did. I think it, yeah, so I think it took a year. So my number three was The Front Runner. can oh. say that didn't work out. Yeah. I liked it more than <laughs> most people did, but... Same. Definitely not. But... Yeah. Um, number four was The Irishman, which did not come out that year. My number five was Black Panther, so kudos there. My number six was On the Basis of Sex. Didn't work out. My number seven was Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Where'd You Go, Indeed? Yeah, that one definitely didn't work out. Yeah. My number eight was Boy Erased. On paper, seems safe. <laughs> My number nine was The Women of Marwin. Oof. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yep. And my number ten. Yep. And my ten was wildlife. I'm gonna say I'm right, and the voters were wrong there. How did that do at the uh, at the Indies, the Spirit Awards? Wildlife did okay, but I think it also slipped through a few cracks even there. Let's see how did I do two years ago, because we did last year. We talked about last year already. That I uh... right. We talked about last year on a previous episode. Probably. Yeah, we're just we're not going there. So, last year, we already talked about two years ago. However, I think I believe I believe I did better. Let's find out. Okay, it's not bad. My number one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fine pick. Very safe yeah. pick. My number two was Knives Out. See, Again, that's one March. where I think you were right and they were wrong. Yeah. Also, I was pretty early on that one. Three was The Irishman. Four was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I was right. They were wrong. My number five was uh, the goldfinch. They were right. You were wrong. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, they were were right. Um, Number six was the then untitled Roger Ailes project. 
Oh, on so, paper, it seemed yeah. promising. Yeah. And it got a couple of nominations, so didn't do bad. Uh, my number seven was Rocket Man. Number eight, I'm going to wear a little egg. It was Lucy in the Sky. <laughs> yeah. My number nine was Harriet. Obviously, you didn't see the trailer of that one. Uh, no. Uh, number nine was Harriet, and number ten was The Report. All right. You didn't finish strong there. But... No. And uh, I had Tarantino winning director. I had Timothy Chalamet winning actor for The King. So, whoops. Cynthia Revo winning actress. Brad Pitt winning best supporting actor. So, suck it. And uh, Annette Benning winning supporting actress. So, whatever. All this to say, it is a crapshoot. Now, let's talk about what things could happen this year. Is there a thing that is on any of your minds, like movie-wise? in the realm of, like, how can it not be on someone's list? And we'll work towards Mitchell's question. For me? No. I mean, both of you. I have a list of things that I think are in various degrees of contention. I I didn't put together a full slate of predictions because see my previous comment, but um, there's definitely a list we can go down. I'm sure you've got your own list of stuff that could definitely... I, I just flagged them all under could definitely contend in a variety of categories to be determined based on the quality yes. of the film whenever we finally see it. Cool. So here's what we'll do. I'll, I'll go down an alphabetical list of films that could be in contention. Uh, we'll stop to talk about some of them. Uh, if I did not mention one, either of you can bring it up when we finish. And then I'll read off my, my year in advance predictions, which will be on the site on Friday. So podcast listeners get a treat. I was gonna, I was gonna hold it, but I figured you guys get it a day early, so suck it, readers, not listeners. I don't know, or no one suck it, probably for the betterment of the site. But you know, again, I'm tired and punchy. So, all right, Annette, we spoke about this last week. My guess is not a contender in picture. You know, acting definitely potential. Also, dying to see it. I can't wait to see it. I want it to be a contender, but I feel like it's probably going to be a bit too weird. But I would, I, I agree that acting is probably where it's going to have its best, uh, best chances. Yeah, we'll do four at a time. So we'll do, uh, so Annette, we got Being the Ricardos, Aaron Sorkin. We definitely want to talk about that for a minute. Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, and Benedetta, Paul Verhoeven. So Being the Ricardos, I think probably has to be on anyone's uh, long list in a number of categories until proven otherwise. Yeah, it would be foolish to not have that listed somewhere. There's just too much potential there. It is the epitome of a safe pick. I don't remember who has it, like who's releasing it. I don't think it's Netflix, but it could be. I'm looking that up. Um, I, I know somebody owns it. Oh, Amazon. There we go. Oh, really? So that actually has that has some good potential. Some th- Maybe some theatrical money, but also not relying on that. That's, that's good. Uh, Belfast, I think, is just going to be like a throwaway romantic drama type thing. Focus is going to push it, but I'm sure they'll pick up something else. And uh, Benedetta is Paul Verhoeven. It's going to can. I, I mean, I think the much of what we said about uh, Annette could probably be talked about this one. Because I, I just I don't think um, Paul Verhoeven is making a Best Picture nominated film, especially a like lesbian nun movie. Like it sounds baity, but also it's poor v- Paul Verhoeven. So let's uh, like it'll probably be uh, 
Like here, the storyline is a 17th century nun in Italy suffers from disturbing religious and erotic visions. I'm, I'm going to say not a Best Picture nominee. I would be very surprised and honestly very impressed if that ended up on the Oscars radar. I thought you were about saying a little turned on. Maybe. Depends on how the movie Maybe, is. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's Paul Beerhoven. Uh, here, the next four. Benediction, Terrence Davies, Bergman Island, Mia Hansen Love. I think neither of them are likely players. We just, they're so small, we have to wait and see. The two that I do want to talk about, Blonde, Andrew Dominic, and Blue Bayou, Justin Chan, which focuses very, very high on. Yeah. Blonde. Or go ahead. Go, go for whichever one you want to go on first. Well, I was just going to say Blue Bayou strikes me as it could be this year's equivalent to Minari. Uh, there were a few yeah. films uh, on the list where I noticed, oh, that could be this year's this. Oh, this could be this year's that. And that one, I think, it, it's one of those things. I feel like every year you have at least one where it's like, oh, this you know, fresh new voice. And I feel like this has that yeah. potential for sure. For sure. And and you, you're you trying to also, like I've said to people for years, you try to tell a story with your predictions whenever you do them. If you just sort of randomly throw off like, you know, this just seems right to me, you're going to be wrong. But if you tell a story you always can, can present a narrative that you can then amend as things change. And, and, you know, what we used to, if you look at those year in advance predictions that I did, they're largely, you know, biopics about white guys. And we're, we're slowly getting away from that. There's still plenty of them and there's plenty that are still going to be great. But I think, uh, five years ago, blue Bayou would be like, Oh, screenplay and actor, you know, uh, Justin Chan directs, writes and stars in it. So you'd be like, Oh, Maybe he'll get something. And Alicia Vikanda has a has a plum supporting role. Like maybe that's it. But I think now you can you can definitely make the case that it's a, an across the board player. Steve? You are correct. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm just gonna isolate that audio. And uh and blonde, which too weird, my guess is, for best picture. He says as he scrambles to make sure he didn't nominate it. All right, cool. But um I, I think, and I'm going to spoil alert, uh, Anna de Armas for playing Marilyn Monroe is my year in advance winner for Best Actress. I think that's the category where it's most likely to pop up. Andrew Dominic is one of those, we always want to predict him, but he hasn't actually delivered a movie that's delivered the kind of nominations that really justifies that. So I'm Yeah, not... he makes he makes great movies that nobody watches somehow. Exactly. Like, like he, he is allergic to audience members. Right now, the biggest nomination any of his movies have is uh, Jesse James for screen for uh, cinematography. So mm-hmm. I would say uh, Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. I think that's eye catching enough that that'll get wouldn't, the attention. But I think that'll represent the movie as a whole most likely. You wouldn't consider Casey Affleck a bigger nomination? No. Fair enough. I mean, he would probably disagree. Well, I could not care less what Casey Affleck thinks about anything. You know, he came. You came up several times in the interview I did with him, though. I'm sure I didn't. No, true. I should. I should do that. I should make people watch your short film before we do an interview to see what they do. Actually, Casey Affleck, I think, would have been very complimentary. I think his his vibe would not be. Why'd you show me that piece of shit? I think he would have been like, "That was that was good." Like, who is that guy? You know, he would have, at the very least, humored you. Well. That would have been very nice of him. I wish he would be that nice to the crew of the films he directs. Fair point. Um, And hopefully going forward, that is uh, is what happens because he's a good actor and we'd like to not have to cringe a little bit more. Like, oh, Casey Affleck, cool, but also, oh, 
I think we let them slide. So, you know, not what we're talking about, though. The next four. These are these are four good ones. Uh, and credit to Will Mavity for uh, organizing this list that I pulled from. Um, so they're alphabetical and nice and, and set up. So credit to him and his uh, sixth place Oscar polls account. Canterbury Glass. Remember when you asked me about David O. Russell? Yeah, I don't know what this one is. Uh, plot unknown, but it's uh, it's his new film. Do we know who's in it? Uh, we do. Would you like to tell me? If you want. The uh, the cast includes Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, Anna Taylor Joy, Andrew Riseborough, Matthias Schoenarts, Alessandro Nivola. Okay, this one's coming back to me. I remember seeing the giant cast come together. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, based on the cast alone, you can't count it out. Shot by Chivo. Uh, music by uh, Hildor, who won for Joker. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Premise. Uh, oh, wait. So uh, supposedly on Wikipedia, which is never wrong, a doctor and a lawyer form an unlikely partnership. Oh, well, that really that really paints a picture, doesn't it? There you go. Uh, so we got that one, which uh, spoiler alert, that has to be on anyone's list, like until proven otherwise. David O. Russell is Oscar bait. The card counter, Paul Schrader. That one, I think, is um, best actor contender is the biggest thing that one's got going for it. Probably. And then two very interesting ones. Coda, CN Heater, um, which I saw at at Sundance. It was the the best thing I saw at Sundance. It's my favorite film of the year right now and is the probably crowd-pleasing potential contender of the year. And uh, Apple has awards in their eyes. They did pay an absurd amount of money for this movie. I would I would say there's a chance at picture, and uh, watch out if they get if it does well. Marley Matlin, supporting actress. I could definitely see Everybody. that. Oh, yeah, really? Like it's it. Yeah, it's it's not like a it's a lighter like role, but you know if you a, a crowd pleasing movie often you know will take a longer performance to sort of lend it an air of legitimacy. I could 100 percent see this movie doing you know getting into picture screenplay supporting actress you know and then hoping for like a surprise director nom or something down the line just to make it feel like a you know contender to win but again we'll have to see what happens when it emerges there's still no i think it's coming out in the summer so that might be a little difficult but we'll see and then uh come on come on mike mills the uh now was supposed to come out last year joaquin phoenix road trip movie Yeah, I mean, can't count on anything Joaquin Phoenix is working on right now. Yeah, wish he would announce, you know, Academy Awards a little differently, but... Hey, quick question, talking about Marley mm-hmm. Maitland. Um, uh-huh. What's the longest period of time between two Oscar wins for an actor or actress? Any idea? That because that would be a, a pretty long question. stretch. We're looking at about 30, is my math right, 35 years? If she happened to sneak in and get a win here? Children of the Lesser God was eighty six, so my math I think is right. It would be it would be thirty five years, thirty four into thirty five years. Um, I'm trying to think. So the gaps between nominations, I know there's a bunch. You know they they do that. Wins. That is a good question. I feel like Anthony Hopkins has to be up there, right? It might be Hopkins now. Yeah, uh, ninety one. I want to say when. Uh, yeah, I mean. 
Renee Zelliger was a little bit, but I don't think it was the longest one. Um, I'm thinking, and I think that well, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Anthony Hopkins for the moment, and we'll see if we can uh, find another one. Also, readers, if you listeners, if you come up with one, you can uh, let us know, and we'll we'll shout you out next week because we wanna want to move on a little bit since this is going to be longer than i hope for i'm tired <laughs> um so we'll go quickly through this next four cry macho clint eastwood sure why not maybe but also we kind of hope it won't be i think we're all on the same page yeah i don't have any enthusiasm for this one but could be uh cyrano joe wright it's got peter dinklage i'm fingers crossed right yeah but joe wright is very hit or miss lately boy is he and i think throughout his career um but when he hits, he hits. But when he doesn't, you get the soloist. Yeah. Or Pan. Oh, God. Don't talk about Pan. Yeah. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, <laughs> Stephen Jabotsky. Um, we'll see. Hard to tell how a musical will we'll do. But I think Jake Gyllenhaal's in this one, right? Uh, I don't think so. I want to say. Or produced it. Maybe. Oh, that might be Come From Away, right? Yeah, because I think this one is mostly like unknowns or younger, you know, te- okay. uh, TV actors. Um, my guess is it'll fall through the co- fall through the cracks because there's a number of musicals, but Hope Springs Eternal and Decision to Leave Park Chan-wook, which I don't know much about beyond like Park Chan-wook is, is a filmmaker we all love, but I don't think the Academy feels that way quite yet. Could be a foreign language contender. Yeah, or is Unless it? Or is this Hill. him uh, doing another English language movie? Well, that's what I was. That's why I was like, I, I did not, uh, I did not look it up ahead of time. So I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, it's a South read... Korean mystery. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, then yeah. There you go. They're, they're high cool. on South Korea right now. There you go. So the next four. Don't look up Adam McKay. Put a pin in that one. We're gonna come back in a moment. Don't worry, darling Olivia Wilde. Dune, Denny Villeneuve, which uh, we've long disagreed on. So we'll we'll wait and see. And The Electric Life of Louise Wayne from Will Sharp. So let's uh, Don't Worry, Darling. I feel like is probably more genre than awards, but maybe can slip in the screenplay or like an acting category. It depends. I mean, Booksmart definitely defied expectations. So who's to say? Yeah. And Dune, you know, definitely text be above the line. We'll see. I uh, I did not put it in my best picture lineup. I think that's totally fair. I, there's another one I want to come back to that I feel like most years, with this year being a, a bit of an exception, there's always one big either action or sci-fi or genre nominee. And I think Dune or the other one that we'll come back to could potentially be the one for this year, but it does all depend on the quality of the film. Villeneuve seems to yeah. think it's the best film he's ever made, which would definitely be saying something, but we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. So let's talk Don't Look Up. I... Uh... I put it as my year in advance winner, and I'll tell you why. Adam McKay overperforms, right, to where we always think he's going to on a, on a sort of the lead up. He makes films that are that are rather intelligent and um, sort of draws out like a passion vote, even when people have an issue with like Vice, you know, or did you know say they didn't get the big short, like they they don't seem to suffer for it. And I, um, on the surface, Don't Look Up seemed very, like, accessible. You know, it's Netflix. It has a giant cast. Like, everything about it screams um, 
likely to be a player. The irony is I um, finalized my year in advance predictions on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I read the script. So I have read the script for Don't Look Up. and uh, Or maybe I read the script just in case there's like some sort of legal issue there. But let's say I read the script for Don't Look Up. And uh, I, I do not know what to make of it. I think a lot of it will depend on on how it translates to the screen. Like, I don't know. I don't know how the big short or, or vice read, you know, but uh, in short, the film is about how America is stupid and it's probably going to get everyone killed. So I guess it depends so on that... how many voters relate to that message. Yeah, exactly. Um, Meryl Streep plays the president which I think people is very cool on the surface. Um, and in a mild spoiler, she essentially plays a version of a Donald Trump. So sounds like fun Meryl Streep, but they almost always ignore that. So shame on us. Um, but the rest of the cast is phenomenal. I, it's not like a laugh out loud, like laugh riot. It's a lot of, um, you know, like a jabbing laugh of like, Oh yeah, that's, that's us. We did, we did that. Um, because essentially the, the plot of the film is that DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are astronomers and she's a student and they discover a comet and the comet hits a different asteroid and it comes hurtling towards Earth and they calculate there's like six months until it hits and they're confident like this is what's going to happen and the the sort of process of trying to get very simple information to the world that wants to make everything political and divide it, you know, obviously makes things more complicated. So without going into what actually happens, you can kind of imagine Adam McKay's version of like, I have important information that will save your life. Well, don't, don't fucking tell me what to think, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. So it really just depends on how it plays to people. Like I could easily see it getting like fawning reviews of like, this is a stinging indictment of where we are. And I could also see it being like, Oh, he's, he's patting himself on the back for not being uh, an idiot. And, uh, telling everyone to fuck off. So I just, I don't know. What do you guys get the sense of from hearing like my little description? I don't know. The whole idea of Meryl Streep playing this Donald Trump type president seems more like a Golden Globes comedy. Well, it's a, it's definitely a comedy. I guess it really depends on how they play it. It's not, it's not a um, like fumbling moron. It's more the like shyster. You know, like how do you know it's help. Trump? Oh, shyster. That's oh, okay. Well, uh, well, okay. Her son is the chief of staff. Who's going to be played Jonah by Jonah Hill, Hill, which is pretty brilliant. Yes. Oh, really? Jonah Hill. Uh, he, he's pretty funny. He is pretty funny. Um, and there are very, very funny individual lines. Um, Rob Morgan is another scientist who like joins them in like trying to get the word out. Um, Mark Rylance is a um, cell phone company CEO that factors into the plot. Um, Timothy Chalamet shows up in a, in a very unusual part. Um, Kate Blanchett plays like a morning show host, like she and Tyler Perry host like a like a morning show that they go on to try to explain things to them. There's potential. I just I, I don't I don't know. I don't think I would have put it on it. I'm going to move it next month, but it's definitely one of the biggest films of the year. I think it's one of those things where it's easy for us to forget that Adam McKay was only an Oscar adjacent filmmaker as of two films ago he's still the guy who made you know talladega knights and stepbrothers so this does this does feel this does feel like something that could have come between uh the other guys and the big short 
you know, like the, uh, the in-between, like, okay, he's getting serious movie, but he also, it's very ambitious. He would never have gotten the money except now. I also wonder where the tone of the country will be at that point. Well, that's the thing. Are we, are we, are we going to be by the end of the year, a little more removed from it and be able to look back and be like, God, people suck. You know, or is it going to be like, oh, we're still like living it. I can't deal with this. We'll see. It is kind uh, of fascinating that he must have written it before all the sort of COVID stuff happened. And I wonder how much that informed it. I I will say there is definitely some 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 things in it where the you know, like in the way that like, oh, is COVID a hoax? Thirty five percent of Americans say yes. Like, well, how could you like so people are just disappearing randomly. What, what's wrong with you? There becomes like, don't look up people and like, um, look up people, like people who just like won't acknowledge that there's an asteroid. Like it's, it's a, it's a hoax. So there, it, there's a lot of that, but I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything. So it sounds depressing. It's, it's funny and depressing. And I think you're going to love it. Actually. I think it's for you because <laughs> all you do is complain about how people being stupid. So this is the movie for you. We shall see, though. That's my job. Exactly. Um, next group, Eternals, Chloe Zhao, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Michael Showalter, Flea, Jonas Polar Rasmussen, and The Forgiven, John Michael McDonough. Let's be let's be real. Eternals is probably not getting a Best Picture nomination, but... Okay, okay. So let me interject, because that was the other film I alluded oh, to. Oh, you're, you're, you're going for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out in front of this. I'm going to make my big Babe Ruth prediction. I'm not going to do, again, like I said, the whole thing, but I think even though it's a Marvel film, there is precedent because Black Panther was nominated, and it is the previous year's winner for picture and director, so I don't think you can rule it out out of hand. Not to mention that out of all the upcoming films on the slate, this is the one that uh, Kevin Feige has sort of gushed the most about. He's talked about how the pitch was one of the best he's ever heard. He's talked about how everyone at Marvel and everyone at Disney is blown away by what they've seen. It could be something different. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll just be an above average one. But I don't think you can rule it out. Do we have any idea what this movie's about? Yes, it's about space gods. So that's that's part of the problem. That's something to consider, though, because with Black Panther, you had a very timely social message. Well, that's that's the thing. I don't I don't know that it's going to have that. Now, it might because the concept is that they've been living among us for for forever and they're they're drawn out by, I guess, the events of Endgame, even though they didn't help or whatever. However, they're they're framing a book because I know like. I think Kumail Nanjiani's um, God is like a like a Bollywood star, you know. So they're 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 people, and they reveal themselves to be Eternals, you know, for reasons. So I, I mean, that's I think the hardest thing to get over for me is because Black Panther, you know, so much of it was social commentary, and so almost little of it felt like a Marvel action movie at its core that I think you could drag people across the finish line. I don't know. I mean, I think all the things that will make this interesting is that it's going to feel a little more indie in, in its vibe and look. So I, I would be surprised, but mind you, it would be a very pleasant surprise. I was just, um, all I'll say is if any director could take a story of interstellar space gods and give some sort of social commentary weight to it, you know, Chloe Zhao could definitely be the person to do that. Sure. Um, I don't know much about The Forgiven. I will say Flea, I believe, is an animated documentary in a foreign language, so it's not going to happen. But 
you know, it is the it is the the golden goose, you know, if it ever would happen. You know, if we could ever get that, we'll have finally conquered the Oscars. Sorry, Chili Pepper fans. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and I'm the tired one. Uh, and then there's the eyes of Tammy Faye, which I think has has some major potential as an acting player. Um, Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye Baker is is really juicy casting. Andrew Garfield as uh, as her husband. I, I again, it could be more of a comedy. I just don't know the tone. Michael Showalter up until you know um, the Big Sick. I don't know. You wouldn't label him an, uh, an Oscar type filmmaker, but the Big Sick came damn close. Was the next one in line that year. So you you can't you can't write it off. So I'll just say that. The next group, the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson. You all love it. I'm indifferent, but I agree that it's probably going to do well. The Hand of God from Paula Sorrentino, who did Youth and uh, The Great Beauty. The Harder They Fall, James Samuel, and A Hero, Asghar Farhadi. Any thoughts on this group? Or it's just all about the French Dispatch? I mean, French Dispatch looks out of Wes Anderson's films. It looks the most like the Grand Budapest, which was his most Oscar friendly film. So that gives it a slight edge for me. That said, I feel like this is an original screenplay contender more than anything. Agreed. Um, Out of this group, though, the harder they fall is the one I'm most excited for because it has an absolutely killer cast. You want to describe it to people? I do want to describe it to people. It is a uh, revenge-driven Western, but it stars, and I got this written down, actually. uh, I have it as well, but go ahead. Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield, Idris Elba, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, and Jonathan Majors. Now, And it's a Netflix movie. And it's a Netflix movie. So, you know, maybe it'll just be a fun genre thing, but that to me feels like it could definitely... And also I think there's a lot of sort of reinvention of classic sort of white-leaning genre fair happening nowadays i mean speaking of jonathan majors lovecraft country last year i know it's a show not a movie but it was a huge step in that direction and I think, uh, uh, there's a lot that could be done with this and just this is a not just a talented group of actors but they're also a group of actors that all make very you know interesting and effective sort of career decisions so i'm very excited to see what they all do together sure i mean i think the degree of difficulty is high just because you do have to contend with the people who are going to be like, this is not the Western I like. And normally those are the people who, you know, back a Western, but if it's good, anything is possible. So I'm not, I'm not writing it off. I just, I need to see a little bit of it. I feel like it. And and the problem with Netflix is you never know when they're going to come out. And I think that will tell us a lot. You know, they could also, they could drop it in two weeks. Then we go, Oh, I guess it's not an Oscar movie. Well, that's, or they could drop it or they could drop it the first week of December and you go, Ooh, you know, after they have it play festival. So we do not know the next group house of Gucci, Ridley Scott, the human Stephen Karam in the Heights, John M. Chu and a journal for Jordan Denzel Washington. So inevitably everyone gets very high on, on the next Ridley Scott movie. And, uh, I'm here to warn you guys that most of the time it fails. So, I do not have it in my 10. I know it's a lot of people's year in advance winner. Um, it also, it looks like, like trashy and kind of fun maybe, but I, I just, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, I guess, you know, the movie about the murder of Gucci, 
also, I don't know that Ridley Scott's the guy to do this. Well, I think we but talked we'll about that on a previous episode that whenever he's given trashy subject material, Ridley Scott infamously fumbles it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think the cast is stacked for this one, but I f- it feels like a like a like a missed opportunity in the making. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it feels like it's going to suck. Like, I hope it doesn't. I want it to be great. But I like this is one of the ones that I think ahead of time you can be like, this is the this is like 35 percent around tomatoes. Yeah, it's the one people expect to be a big winner, but is just fine. I think you'll hit about the 60s and people will forget about it a few months afterwards. Could be. Fair. Uh, In the Heights, I think we'll do a lot better than that. The early reviews are excellent, but I think it just depends on whether or not it it, it sustains. You know, we're going to we're going to notice this as we go through. There are a lot of uh, musicals this year. And I uh, I kind of think they're only going to nominate one. More on that later. But that would be uh, it, w- it would be shitty because you don't need one. It's not a, you know, it's not a category in and of itself, but that could certainly be something that works against it. And a journal for Jordan just depends on which Denzel you get. I, I, I don't think he's an amazing director, but this seems very much like a movie he would have starred in. And I think that might be up his alley. So that and Michael B. Jordan is basically playing what would have been his role. And that's some damn good casting in the heights is going to be an hbo max right yeah kind of so un- again, unfortunate they didn't wait longer to put it out i know it's been delayed but it, it seemed like a film would play much better on the theater well, it, it'll yeah. be both it'll be both yeah, yeah. um I think and i will that say that be more of a crowd pleaser than an oscar movie i can see it having a crazy rich asians type reception because i mean the director of course but also it just seems like that movie that people enjoy a lot during the summer but it's not an oscar movie indeed um i will say that um a journal for jordan is a sony movie they've already dated it december 10th so they're thinking oscars and uh for those of you who don't know what it's about um it's about a uh, soldier who keeps a journal for his newborn son while stationed overseas. And I, uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I feel like it's probably going to end up that he dies. Like that sure seems like what they're getting at, right? Yeah. It one seems like probably real... dies in the first few seconds. Could be. Yeah. And then the whole rest of his like flashback or the kid reading the journal. Yeah. And then he's like something like alive that. Live narrating. I think there's a yeah. lot of interesting storytelling possibilities with that. I think it could be a real tearjerker. And even if it's not amazing, it could get that. It could be that emotional grab that still gets a bunch of nominations just because it hits the heartstrings in the right way. For sure. And uh, it's written by Virgil Williams, who wrote Mudbound. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So I would. I would uh, I would consider this one maybe not necessarily a picture contender, but Michael B. Jordan could be coming for that yeah. Oscar, especially if he dies. It's happening. Yeah. Um, next four. Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese. I don't think it's coming out this year because it just started filming and he is not a quick editor. So let's let's table that. But if it does come out, obviously, huge contender. Mark it down for nominations. King Richard, Ronaldo Marcus Green. That is the uh, film about the Williams sisters' father who trained them, and that is uh, Will Smith as uh, Richard Williams. The Last Duel, also Ridley Scott. That is the um, medieval rape duel movie, which is a mouthful, with uh, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, 
Jodie Comer and Affleck and Damon co-wrote the script with Nicole Hall of Center, which is the best version of Mad Libs I've ever done. But I'm into it. And Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright. I think Last Night in Soho is genre, most likely. So I feel like that screenplay and acting are bust. Yeah, Edgar Wright is a brilliant director, but he hasn't really done anything Oscar-y yet. No, and I don't think he thinks that way. I think Taika Waititi is similar, and he kind of just like stumbled into Jojo Rabbit as like, oh, this this might do it for people, you know. Like, but I don't. I I'll believe it when I see it. King Richard, I think, is an acting player, and the last duel sounds so bizarre that I just I have no idea what to do with it. It could be the worst movie of the year. It could be surprisingly great. Like this seems more like the inexplicably works Ridley Scott movie, but it easily could be trash too. I will say between Last Duel, between House of Gucci, and between between Annette, surely Adam Driver is getting a nomination this year for something. Yeah, especially since I believe I don't know I don't remember who he is. I know Ben Affleck is the king, who's like you guys got to fight over this. So like he's, maybe a sporting actor nomination there. I want to say well he's one of the two. Matt, I think Matt. Yeah, Damon he, he and Matt Damon, whose wife is raped. Okay, so Adam Driver is the rapist or the potential rapist. I mean, I don't know. That one's got some iffiness about it's it got, from the get go. But could that work? Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not familiar with the book. I know it, it bugged some people. Um, I mean, I guess Nicole Hall Center is going to have to, like, be on the campaign trail if that movie's good. Because I don't know that, like, oh, Affleck and Damon wrote this movie would go over super well. Which is a pity, because them reuniting to write something should be cause for celebration. <laughs> but they're writing Indeed. a rape movie from the perspective of the men, which is just, it feels off, doesn't it? A little bit. I mean, it's going to be about how it comes off. You know, and we don't, and again, like, we don't know what they changed from the book, so. Sure. I, I, we'll see. It's hard to know. Could go nowhere. Very likely will go nowhere, but we'll see. Uh, Limbo, in Yari 2, if it comes out, not to be confused with another movie called Limbo this year. Uh, The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal. The Lost King, Stephen Frears. And Madre's, uh, Pedro Almodovar's new movie. I'm just, I'm not going to fuck it up. So you got four interesting filmmakers. But maybe not movies that are super buzzed about. So a lot of that will just depend on, you know, what comes of the movies. Yeah, these all seem potentially interesting, but I don't have any of them on the radar as far as Oscars right now. I think it would be hard to put too many of them on the radar just because of what they are. Uh, the Lost King is a uh, is a British comedy, so I'm gonna say like screws up BAFTA predictions maybe. Sure, but uh, not necessarily. Also, uh, Steve Coogan write, and Jeff Pope wrote it, so they re- it's a filming a re- reuniting. Okay, so then we'll maybe see. the next one. <coughs> Sorry, guys, hang on. <coughs> there we go. All right, next. Maestro, Bradley Cooper. I don't think it's coming out this year. Because I don't believe it's shot yet. But that's his his Bernstein biopic with him and Carey Mulligan. If it does come out, well, Jesus Christ, it's probably a big player. Also, it's a Netflix movie. So who's to say? Uh, Mass, Fran Kranz, who, uh, you know who Fran Kranz is, right, Miles? Of course I do. He's the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Did you know he made his directorial debut? 
yeah, you told me about it. It's a school shooting movie, and it sounds horrendous to watch, but it's probably great. Exactly. It's it's a phenomenal movie, but the least likely thing you would possibly think you would make, and it is as heavy or heavier than you expect it to be. So I would be shocked if it gets in the picture, because I just don't think anyone will watch it. <clears throat> now, I will say, if you get enough actors to watch it, and, and maybe they will, the cast could happen. Especially since they're, I'm sure, going to all be, um, you know, going supporting. I would watch out, especially for like a Martha Plimpton. Because it's, it's Martha Plimpton and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, and Reed Burney. <clears throat> and that's a, that's a group that I don't think anyone would be upset if they got like a, you finally get a nomination nomination. For sure. There's also, you, you saw hmm. it, right? Yeah, I love it. Who's, it's who's, terrible to watch. Who, who would you say is the standout cast-wise? I Jason Isaacs is the angriest. Um, but I think uh, Martha Plimpton probably. Okay. Is, <clears throat> so Jason Isaacs and Martha Plimpton, their child was killed. And Anne Down and Reed Burney, their child was the shooter. Gotcha. And they uh, so there's a dynamic at play. End out is very like sad about it all, and Reed Bernie's a little like defensive and almost like skirts the line of being kind of Republican about it all. But the the other he's he's the quietest of the four because you need someone to have that like well it wasn't our fault type thing because you need that back and forth. Sure. Whereas like Jason Isaacs is reading like statistics them about um, scientific studies about like you know, brain disorders that would cause you to become a sociopath and stuff like that. Like, cause I need to find meaning in this. It can't just be that this kid was evil. And then that's just, you know, the world is awful. So again, very, very tough watch, but rewarding if you can handle it. I suspect most people won't though, but I'll try, I'll do my best to get people to see it. Uh, the other two were Mothering Sunday, Eva Hewson, and Miss, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, Anthony Fabian. Very small films. I can't expect anything without seeing them. Four bigger ones next. Next goal wins, Tiger Watiti. Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. The Northman, Robert Eggers. Passing, Rebecca Hall. What do we think about this group? I think Nightmare Alley could definitely be a sort of sleeper contender. Obviously, Del Toro won picture and director a few years back. And this sounds like it's going to be one of his least fantastical movies ever, which could make it even that much more Oscar friendly. So it is genre. So we'll see. It's genre, but it's um, not like monsters and things and makeup and stuff like that. Probably not. No. Um, and Next Goal Wins is a comedy. So who's to say there? Um, and Robert Eggers... Let's let's like wait for him to make something that's not massively weird before he gets Best Picture nomination. But we'll see. I think both of those will be very entertaining, but will they be Oscar yeah. entertaining remains to be seen. Very true. And I've seen Passing. I think Netflix thinks it's a player. I think it's very, <clears throat> very restrained and, and a little pretentious and a little boring. So um, I, I would be not surprised if uh, Tessa Thompson gets an actress. But picture, I mean, Rebecca Hall is a good director, but I think she's a little, little cold at this. But we'll see. Next for Power of the Dog, Jane Campion. Red Rocket, Sean Baker, which I want to talk about in a minute. Red Light and Water, Leela Neuberger. And Soggy Bottom, 
Paul Thomas Anderson or whatever it ends up being called. I think it obviously needs to stick with Soggy Bottom because that's an incredibly good title. Yeah, um, I think it's officially still like the untitled thing because I I have been in contact with the publicist for United Artists. So I'm keen to see it. Do you know what that movie is about? I know it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, whose name is Cooper, and he stars with Bradley Cooper. <clears throat> I don't know that he's the star, though. Well, is in it with, I should say. He's definitely in it. Because I don't know that he's the star. Um, it follows a high school student becoming an actor in the 70s. He might star. I have to check. There's, there's like, conflicting things. I think he's the star. But there's also um, Skylar DeSando from uh, from um, Booksmart and a couple other things. He's, like, credited as, like, child actor. So, like, it's possible that he could be there. But, like... Again, Wikipedia is rough to look at for this kind of thing, but sounds kind of like him going back to Magnolia style. That's what has me the most excited about it. I think with the master, inherent vice, phantom thread, there's great stuff in all three of them, but he's gotten a little experimental to the point where you kind of want him to go back and make like just a proper Paul Thomas Anderson movie again. Exactly. And this sounds like it could be that. I think Cooper Hoffman might be the lead. I'm not sure. I'll try to confirm. In which case, if you see my predictions, just swap out Cooper and Skyler. Um, so he's an actor, wants to be an actor and a high school student. Bradley Cooper is a film director, so I'm, I suspect he will pluck him out of like the high school. Um, Benny Safdie is a politician running for office. I have no idea what that means, but probably nothing good. But that's fucking real baby. I'm into it. Power of the Dog is Jane Campion. Wasn't that like uh, Jesse Plemons and Benedict Cumberbatch as rival brothers? Yes. That sounds pretty fun. Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, Thomas and McKenzie, Cody Smith McPhee. Netflix. Yeah, definitely some potential there. And Jane Campion, you know, could be a nice little comeback. Exactly. Um, Red Rocket, I don't think is going to do it, but God, I want to see that movie. Do you know what that one's about? That one I don't know. So Sean Baker, he wrote it with Chris Bergash, mm-hmm. uh, stars Simon Rex. And the plot of it is that, um, and let me find, let me find. Um, Simon Rex plays a washed up porn star who returns home and his town is not happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like an Oscar movie. But it also sounds delightfully fun. It sounds great. What and Sean Baker? That's interesting. Oh wait, no, Sean. Yeah, I always get Sean Baker and Sean Durkin confused, and I don't know why. No, Sean Durkin did the Nest. Sean Baker did the Florida Project. Exactly, and very different styles. Yeah, Sean Baker. Okay, that could be something. Yeah. All right, four more. Spencer, Pablo Lorraine. That's the um, Princess Diana movie starring Kirsten Stewart. Kristen Stewart. I'm sorry. Um, Stillwater, Tom McCarthy. As we know, Tom McCarthy only makes Oscar movies and terrible movies. So we'll see. This one is Matt Damon. He's like an oil rig worker. He has to go to, I think, Italy because his daughter, Abigail Breslin, is accused of murder. I think that one could be a player. It's a focus movie. They moved it out of this year, um, last year, not to like get run over by Promising a Woman. So I think it's very traditional, but could be good. The Survivor, Barry Levinson, I think... Barry Levinson is probably done. 
and 3,000 Years of Logging, George Miller. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, mean, I have no idea if it's going to be ready or not. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm really interested to see that one because George Miller working with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba can only be interesting. It began, began filming in November. Okay, so maybe. Well, but then again, Fury Road took like three years to film or whatever. So, you know, we'll we'll have to. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm including it, but I'm not like super, let's say, uh, optimistic that's going to come out. Now, Spencer is an interesting one just because I don't know. I don't know what take they have on it. Pablo Rain is super interesting. Kristen Stewart's going to get an Oscar nomination one day. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, <clears throat> a wild obsession with Princess Diana and the royal family in general. Sure. So and we'll they're pushing out photos of that now. Yeah, and she doesn't look bad. No, she looks great. Has anyone heard her do a British accent? Because I feel like that'll make or break the movie. That is a good question. Now I got to pull up her filmography because I've seen probably everything she's done. I like her quite a bit. I can't th- I, like I've seen a lot of her stuff, too, and I can't think of anything where she's done any real because she's one of those. She's a very naturalistic actor, which is what I like about her. But accents feel like that kind of showy performance that, well, it, it could work against her skill set. Do you think she did an accent in uh, the Flintstones and Viva Rock ba- Vegas? I mean. As ring toss girl. Is anyone really acting in that movie? Fair point. Uh, let's let's look. Her accent was really rocky. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, I'm looking. Steve I'm not, gets the I, prize I guess for best pun of the show. I think. True. Thank you. Do we think that Snow White and the Huntsman counts as an accent? Okay. See that in my head is what I'm hearing, but as Princess Diana, which is like, uh, it almost makes me wish she could play it with an American accent, even though it wouldn't make sense, just so that she could like relax into the performance. But she kind of has a mild British accent. She'll have to play it very subtle, I think, is the best way it's going to work. Well, I mean, Lizzie and Seberg, she's done like not her normal voice. Sure. But I'm not going to I'm not going to call it a uh, quite an accent. Stephen Knight wrote this movie. This is this is like a serious movie. Well, yeah, but Stephen Knight also made Serenity, so let's not... <laughs> yeah, but he directed that. Sure, but he also wrote it, so, you know. But he, you know, but he, when he just writes, you get closer to, like, Eastern Promises. Well, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Spall, Sally Hawkins, Sean Harris. Music by Johnny Greenwood. Ooh, okay. I mean, it sounds good on paper. It just, as long as she can pull it off, I think that that's... I mean, it sa- it, this honestly sounds like it was made for her. 1991, during her Christmas holidays with the royal family, uh, Diana decides to end her marriage to Prince Charles. So she gets to basically do Kristen Stewart as Diana. She might win an Oscar. Could be. Could be. I'd be very right. happy for her if she did. Yeah. I mean... So alive, if she's worthy... I Oh, my God. I have her number two. <clears throat> we'll go over my predictions at the end. Four more. Tick, tick, boom. Lin-Manuel Miranda. The Tragedy of Macbeth. Joel Cohen. Triangle of Sadness. Ruben Ostland. Unforgiven Nora uh, Fingscheidt. Tick, Tick, Boom is another music-tinged movie um, based on a, I believe, a Broadway show. When Memorial Miranda directs, I believe there's some original music. It seems like a pleasant, fun movie. I don't know that that's an Oscar player. Macbeth, I, it just depends on what kind of interpretation we get of it, I guess. Yeah, too early to tell. I mean, I'm fascinated to see how Joel works separate from Ethan uh, as far as the Coens. But um, yeah, hard to say. Could be an acting contender for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and real quick, real quick sidebar. We've been talking about how there's a lot of musicals happening, but probably only one's going to be an Oscar movie. Tick, Tick, Boom is my pick for the one that's going to be it. Uh, mine is still to come in the final four we're going to talk about. First up, The Way of the Wind, Terrence Malick. You can tell how excited I am for that movie. Um, it's <laughs> He's doing the story of Jesus. So, Oh, God. Oh. Great. Oh, um, here, let's let's see. Let's see what they what they're what they're calling it now. Um I'm sure people are gonna tell me I'm wrong and it's amazing, but um The Way of the Wind. I'm sorry, let's but see, Terrence Ballack doing a movie about Jesus sounds unwatchable to me. A retelling of several episodes in the life of the Christ. Oh um, I also take issue with IMDB listing it as a history film. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't cotton to that. Uh, Joseph Fiennes, I believe, plays Jesus. It's, it's based Aiden on the Turner historical story of that time Jesus walked along the beach for three hours, whispering to himself. Yeah. The only thing that's interesting is that Mark Rylance plays Satan. Okay, that is interesting. Uh, but listen. But he'll find Terrence a way to Malick, make it boring. Yeah, Terrence Malick managed to make a movie with Ryan Gosling, Natalie Portman, and Michael Fassbender nearly unwatchable. Yeah. And that's that's like, like I'm not a filmmaker, nor would I be a good one. I could make a better movie than that. And that's not like me saying anything about myself. That is literally just point a camera at the three of them and say, do something. Not, you know, stare up at the sky and twiddle your thumbs and in voiceover talk about how, you know, I'm everything and nothing and whatever the fuck. I'm getting mad now, so let's move on. Um. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a player, and if it does, I may want to end the website. So hope it's not. Yeah. West Side Story, Steven Spielberg. There is the musical I have getting nominated because he doesn't miss. He hasn't missed in a while. Uh, I think it'll be fine at best. Yeah, so was other things he did that got nominated for Best Picture anyway. I mean, you're not wrong. I think but, uh. when, he, when he says he's making an Oscar movie, he gets an Oscar nomination until proven otherwise. All right, two more, and then we'll, we'll get into like what's getting nominated. Uh, where's Anne Frank, Eric Fullman, and then one that I think could very well be um, the Dark Horse of the Year, and Miles can talk a little bit about this. The Whale, Darren Aronofsky. Oh, I can talk a little bit about this because I've seen the play that it's based on. See, uh, I set you up for it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this feels like Darren Aronofsky in the wrestler mode because it's very much a similar story where – he can't really get too fantastical with it because the play is literally just a man who's uh, gotten depressed and eaten so much that he's so obese he literally can't get up off his couch. So the whole thing ha- by design has to take place in his house. So there's only so fantastical you can get with it. But boy, and Brendan Fraser, I think that's a dark horse best actor contender if ever there was one. I think that could, if he pulls it off, that's a, that's a, um, a comeback story that a lot of people would really get behind. There's there's meaty material there. It'll definitely be a tearjerker. Uh, could be this year's The Father. Interesting. So here, <clears throat> let's get into what my predictions are. I'm just going to do above the line because really, who's to say? <laughs> How can we judge the editing of a film that has not been edited yet? Yeah, spoiler alert, I'm going to put my number one in picture as the number one editing. That's just just, just how I'm going to do it. And, like, put in, like, No Time to Die in Dune. It's just what's going to happen. Um, so here. 
Uh, animated feature, I'll just say I have Luca winning because why wouldn't you at the moment? Until proven otherwise. So here, adapted screenplay. My five that I have nominated are A Journal for Jordan winning. Virgil Williams winning an Oscar. House of Gucci at two. Sure, who knows? West Side Story 3, I think it's, you know, going to come along for the ride. Nightmare Alley 4. And my my shot in the dark is Zola 5. I think Zola has a way better chance of getting in than West Side Story. I mean, maybe. I uh, Even if West Side Story is an Oscar player, adapted screenplay seems like a stretch. We'll see. So here, next in line, I have The Last Duel at 6. be so cool to get Affleck and Damon in again. Blonde at seven, Macbeth eight, Next Goal wins nine, Dear Evan Hansen ten. So, plenty of room. And because I'm me, at number 18, Clerks three. (laughs) Listen, I own a website. I can put it at one and no one can tell me otherwise. It's good to be the king. you, you You do you, man. Listen, it would get picked up here and there. Maybe not in the way I want. But we'll hold off for now. It does sound good, though. I'll, we'll talk about that later. Original screenplay, I have Coda winning. Okay. Very, yeah, very safe, but also very crowd-pleasing. I have Blue Bio at two. I have Soggy Bottom at three. I have Don't Look Up at four. And I have Being the Ricardos at five. This is a very competitive category because I have French Dispatch at six. The Whale at seven, though who knows what they're going to do with The Whale. It's not listed as an adapted screenplay, even though it's based on a... We, we get it. We know. Code is also a remake, but it's not listed as being based on something either. Hmm. We'll let them work it out. Uh, Stillwater 8, Come On, Come On 9, Canterbury Glass 10. So that's a really good-looking category early on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, supporting actress. So I have Kate Blanchett at 5 for Nightmare Alley. I believe she's the, like, person who takes the Bradley Cooper, like, ringleader character and, like, starts scheming with him. If I recall properly. Yeah, that that's uh, from memory from the original film. That's the juicier role uh, yeah. as far as the supporting uh, cast goes. Oh, like Tony Collette is also like oh, potentially like you, you could fill out like most of the cast to try to like fill out a list. For sure. Uh, my number four is Nina Arianda for being the Ricardos. She's playing um, um, Ethel. Right? Oh, OK. Yeah, like that could be a real fun like supporting role. Um, my number three is Alicia Vikander, Blue Bayou. My number two is Marley Matlin and Coda. And my number one is Abigail Breslin, Stillwater. That could flip-flop, but a pretty safe five. I have Saoirse Ronan, six for French Dispatch. Tony Collette, seven for Nightmare Alley. Eight, Samantha Morton for The Whale. Would she be like an ex-wife or something like that? Uh, yeah. Is that a good role? Um. Or is the daughter more of the role? The daughter is the bigger role, I, but... That said, the way they, um, because the the ex would Samantha Morton be in it if she's if it's a nonsense role? Wait, hold on, I don't. I, I'm gonna have to look it up because I actually think the ex wife might be dead. Okay, so she might be. A, is there a friend or something? There's, uh, I want. It's been a while. The daughter is like the prime supporting role. It, I want to okay, say so Sam, Samantha Morton's role is a smaller one, but it's the kind of smaller role where she only gets like two or three scenes, but she could easily like give a wrenching performance in those two or three scenes. You know what I mean? Okay, so she pops up. Uh, Mary, not that that's supposed to help, I don't think, unless you remember it very clearly. I'll, 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 I'll look into it while you're going through and I'll, I'll report back in. Okay. 
Hong Chow's in it too. Who is interesting? Uh, Hong Chow from Downsizing oh, and very- Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. Let's say let's just do Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and then I have Jodie Comer at nine for The Last Duel and Ruth Nega at ten for Passing. We'll see. Uh, supporting actor, my number five, Coleman Domingo Zola. I have to see the movie. I mean, it's such a like wild character. Basically, a killer pimp. Like, how can you not kind of like that? Uh, Mark Rylance, Don't Look Up, number four. I know. Um, I believe Adam McKay's like raved about him in it. Um, on the page, maybe doesn't make enough a lot of sense, but also, who's to say the script doesn't change once they start? Number three, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos playing Fred. Like that. That seems like a good nomination. Oh, easy. Uh, two, Bradley Whitford in Tick, Tick, Boom. He's playing uh, Stephen Sondheim. Oh, man, that would be if that turns out to be an Oscar worthy role, that would be fun to see. Yeah, also like Bradley Whitford, everyone likes. Okay. And my number one right now is Bradley Cooper for Soggy Bottom or Nightmare Alley, though he's probably leading Nightmare Alley, but who's to say? And he, uh, here, I'll give you my six to ten. Ben Affleck, The Last Duel. Corey Hawkins, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I think he's playing Macduff. Adam Driver, House of Gucci. Bill Murray, The French Dispatch. Idris Elba, The Harder They Fall. Idris. Yeah. Idris. Definitely possible. Good call. We'll see. Just looking at the Ridley Scott, The Last Duel, I, I'm kind of iffy on anything for that. I think that's going to be the one that you go, oh, he made that movie too. Maybe. I think it could maybe, very maybe. easily be a thing where House of Gucci is everyone's sort of big Oscar prediction that falls mm-hmm. flat, but The Last Duel is still somehow worse. Yeah, fair. There, there is, there is certainly the <laughs> yeah, option exactly. where he just makes two shitty movies. Um, here, the big categories: actress, my number ten, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci. I like the surprise ending there, Miles. <laughs> yeah, uh, my number nine, Amelia Jones, Coda. She's very, very good in the movie. Uh, number eight, Florence Pugh, Don't Worry, Darling. That one, number I can seven. See. Yeah, my number seven, Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. My number six, Frances McDormand, The Tragedy of Macbeth. My number five, Jennifer Hudson, Respect. I would I would pencil that in for a while, I think, until proven otherwise. My number four, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. My number three, Jennifer Lawrence, Don't Look Up. My number two, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. And my number one, Anna de Armas, Blonde. I like your two and one a lot. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a phenomenal race. I'm sure people will complain because they're young and, and all that jazz, but... That'd be great. I'd be thrilled with that. Actor. My number 10, Peter Dinklage, Cyrano. My number nine, Javier Bardem, being the Ricardos. I think he's going to be the... be funny that he's the one who gets left off. Uh, number real, eight. Real, De- sorry. Go ahead. Real quick, uh, I found out more about uh, Samantha Morton in The Whale. She is playing the alcoholic ex-wife. So... Uh, okay. Uh, I was wrong about the uh, the dead wife thing. It has been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember now. She does. She's only in it briefly, but it's one of those things. It could be the Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea kind of role where she's only in it briefly, but it's a very memorable scene. Okay, cool. Um, Carry on. Yes. Denzel, The Tragedy of Macbeth, number eight. Joaquin Phoenix, number seven. Come on, come on. And my number six is Justin Chan, Blue Bayou. So here's my five. Spent a lot of time on this five, I gotta say. My number five is Brendan Fraser, the whale. 
Nice. I feel, I feel like if it's going to happen, it probably has to start early. And I think that would be a very, very cool nomination. Number four, Leonardo DiCaprio, Don't Look Up. Sure. Number three, Matt Damon, Stillwater. Easily can wind up being number one if it's like a sort of tearjerker, like, I got to save my daughter movie. Like, because remember, he doesn't have an acting Oscar. Um, my number two, Michael B. Jordan, a journal for Jordan. I think that's very safe right now. And an incredibly safe number one, Will Smith, King Richard. Probably not going to happen, but biopic, all that jazz. I will say Why that not? if that movie has any Oscar play, it's going to be Will Smith and that's it. Probably. So does he have the chops? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how he's playing the role. Cause isn't, isn't, isn't him, isn't the role, isn't he kind of an asshole? Like, isn't he like a, like a helicopter parent, like, like slave driver to make them the best kind of thing. As opposed to like pursuit of happiness. Like you guys can do it. And I love you. I guess yeah. it really, or is it a little bit of both? I guess it really just depends if he can tell the truth. Hmm. That's a, that's a timely joke, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> the only thing I remember from that movie besides meeting him at the, at the events for it was him putting the jar, the food in the fruit in the jar to simulate a concussion. Oh. Just like <laughs> slamming it against the jar. Oh, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess it does. It does make sense. You're making a point. Um, here director. My number 10, Tom McCarthy, Stillwater. My number nine, Aaron Sorkin being the Ricardos. Number eight, Ridley Scott for either of the films, because I just, I can't go there yet. My number seven, Darren Aronofsky, The Whale. Probably just depends a lot on how visual he makes it, but probably fall short, I guess. Uh, number six, Justin Chan, Blue Bayou. So here's my five. My number five, Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. My number four, Adam McKay, Don't Look Up. My number three, Guillermo del Toro, Nightmare Alley. My number two, David O. Russell, Canterbury Glass. Imagine he misses. And number two again. And my number one is Paul Thomas Anderson. That would be a cool lineup if it pans out. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I'm low on Canterbury Glass in terms of um, acting, just because I don't know where to put them. Well, it's so, got such a great cast, you don't know who the standouts are going to be or even who the main roles are going to go to. Exactly. So you just have to wait and see. I feel like it's Christian Bale as one of the leads, but I just, I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think I might have, yeah, I put him at 14 just because I'm like, I, I, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And my best picture lineup. So I will tell you that I have Eternals at 50. Well, you might want to start nudging it up just a little, just a little. Well, here, here, which is, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go quick. 50 Eternals, 49, No Time to Die, 48, Cry Macho, 47, The Northman. 46, Red Rocket. 45, Next Goal Wins. 44, A Hero. 43, Belfast. 42, Zola. 41, Last Night in Soho. 40, The Power of the Dog. 39, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which we did not talk about, comes out next week. 38, The Card Counter. 37, The Way of the Wind. God, I hope that's that's low, that's high for that one. Um, 36, Mass. Again, just depends on how people see it. 35, Benedetta. 34, The Lost King. 33, Passing. 32, The Harder They Fall. 31, Limbo. 30, Luca. Remember, there's 10 nominations now. Both years there were 10. There was an animated film. 29, Annette. Maybe Wishful Thinking. 28, Tick, Tick, Boom. 27, Cyrano. 26, 3,000 Years of Longing. Those are my also considers. Now we're into the top 25. I know so far you would move Eternals up. Uh, And there's a couple of others I would move up, but continue. 
Twenty. Mm. Yeah, move it up to forty-nine. Yeah, you think no time to die is a better shot? Oh, you mean move it to forty-nine? Uh, oh, I forgot you're a dick. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. That's what I'm paid for. Uh, you're earning your money. <laughs> All right. So twenty-five Spencer, twenty-four Dear Evan Hansen, twenty-three King Richard, twenty-two The Tragedy of Macbeth, twenty-one Come on, come on, twenty A Journal for Jordan, nineteen Don't worry, worry them. Don't worry, darling. That's going to be a hard one to pronounce. 18, Blonde. 17, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. 16, Dune. I feel like you put 15, that up that high just for me, and I appreciate that. A little bit. 15, The Last Duel, just because I want to have that one right there. 14, Respect. 13, House of Gucci. 12, In the Heights. And 11, The French Dispatch. So... Quick math, people might be able to figure out what's going on. But here are my predicted 10 for best picture. Number 10, The Whale. Number 9, Blue Bayou. Number 8, Stillwater. Number 7, West Side Story. Number 6, Nightmare Alley. Number 5, Canterbury Glass. Which I guess maybe that's the law firm or something. I, I Whatever, we don't know why yet. Um, number 4, Coda. Number three, Being the Ricardos. Number two, Soggy Bottom. Number one, Don't Look Up. And I expect to be wrong. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's there's plenty, plenty more to come. So that's that's where we're at. So let's wrap up with the question. If you could put a bet down right now on one guaranteed nomination for next year's Oscars in the big six categories, what would it be? Steve, go first. Can be one of mine, can be one of yours. Yeah, one thing that you would say in either of the acting categories or directing or picture that you would say that's going to happen. Michael B. Jordan, best actor. Okay. Miles? I'm going to cheat a little bit here, and I'm going to echo something I said earlier, which is Adam Driver for something. Then I'll cheat a little bit and say Bradley Cooper for something. Because that gives me like seven bites of the apple, realistically. Yeah. Well, we cover one category. This is true. Um, Watch as all of us are right. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm not going to hate it. Um, And for something, Bradley Cooper. (sighs) Yeah. I mean... I'm so glad to win this not, Oscar for something. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to write a movie called something and win him an Oscar and show you all. Listen, I'll show I'll you all. It. I'll show you. I'll show all of you. Um, all right. Let's wrap up, say where they can find you and just, yeah, that's fine. We did, we did enough. So miles, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Uh, please check out my short film, American Exorcist, on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. Steve? If you type in at FilmSnork on Twitter or Letterboxd, you'll find me. And you may enjoy it or you may not. Not as much as they'll enjoy you saying Twitter. Um, and you can find me at Joey Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Letterboxd, all that jazz, Awards Radar on almost all of those same things. And uh, special announcement. We have a guest. We're doing an interview. What? Miles, would you like to announce who is going to be the guest on an upcoming episode of the podcast? 
It's Kevin Spicy, everybody. He's going to be, he's going, uh, we're to celebrate the, uh, the Blu-ray release of, uh, Sugar and Spicy season one. He'll be doing an exclusive interview here at the Ward's Radar and we'll be doing live. a, uh, live interview. Well, I mean, will it we'll, be live? We'll be doing audience? it live. We'll, <laughs> we'll be doing it live. They won't know, but we, we guarantee it'll be uncut because why would we save him any embarrassment? So I've got to say one thing. I must be tired because you tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? You Who thought it was it a real person. <laughs> That's cute. No. I, I love that Steve Steve was going, wait, did we get is Keith coming back? Like what, what? Uh, I, I need to text I need to text Keith right now and go, uh, you know that guy Steve from the podcast? He uh he mistook you for noted sex pest Kevin Spacey. Oh no, come on. <laughs> actually, actually he'd probably find that funny, if we're being realistic. I did, I did like there is uh, he and his brother had a very good tweet after the Oscars. I don't know if you saw it. No, I didn't. I do follow. Him. Oh, he said, well, well, I mean, we did lose, but at least we probably also got COVID. Oh, <laughs> from being in the room with no masks. Hey, they looked they looked fucking they looked yeah. fucking sharp. I got to say. Yeah. I mean, it, I got to tell you, as someone who has now only once in his life worn a tuxedo, you either you either look amazing or terrible. There's no in between and you have no control over it. So it's just you get in it and it either works or it doesn't. So it's got to be a good feeling. Cause I, I, I think I looked okay in mine, but like they definitely look great in theirs. It's got to be a good feeling to like know you're going to be on TV and also be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to look good. I'm going to look good. This, this is good. This is good stuff. So they, they, they certainly seem to be having a good time. Um, he told me it was very surreal. I was like, yeah, I, I suspect it was. <laughs> But uh, yeah, more to come. Maybe we'll get him back on in another episode. But yeah, coming up uh, either next week or the week after a special bonus interview episode with uh, Kevin Spicy, where um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold his feet to the fire. Um, it's not gonna be a patty cake interview. And for those of you who uh, have enjoyed our episodes of Sugar and Spicy throughout the podcast, and why would you? Uh, we will be releasing them all as a bonus episode, the full first season, and that's where you will be able to find that interview. So be sure to look forward to that, you strange, weird people. Listen, it was that or director's commentary, and that would just be Miles, like, drinking. I mean, if you want to listen to that for an hour, you sure can. I'm, I don't know why you would. I mean, it would, it would, it would just be five separate clips of you going, I wrote it the morning we recorded. What do you want from me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even not even pretending there was thought put into it oh no there was not sometimes i even no. held up the podcast because i was still finishing it up ah uh, this is true uh anyway so yes you know what readers listeners send us questions to ask kevin spicy yeah yeah whatever you want the sentient chili pepper <laughs> with the face of kevin spacey and the voice of Nicolas cage to respond to we'll 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 do it so send in your questions. You, you've got all our Twitter handles. Let us know what you want to know about this horrible man puppet that we've created. I also find it a little disappointing that no one has created a Kevin Spicy Twitter handle yet. Well, that's on somebody else. I, I write the show. I'm, I'm good. I mean, listen, somebody, somebody out there. OK, here, here's what we're going to wrap up on. Readers slash listeners, if any of you creates a Kevin Spicy Twitter handle, that you mainly use the harass Miles with, I will send you a DVD. <laughs> I of mean, your favorite else? Kevin Spacey film. 
What would what else would Kevin Spicy do with Twitter besides message Miles? Let's see, Kevin Spicy. Are you sure it doesn't exist? I, I, I have not looked, but they're not following us. If so, oh, oh, I'm sorry. At Kevin Spicy, is there an E in Spicy or no E? Uh, there is an E. Oh, there is an E because there's about there's for Kevin Spicy. There's Kevin Spicy fifteen eight three twenty. Shout out to Kevin Spicy uh, Spicy twenty twenty one. Actually, Kevin Spicy twenty has a photo of Kevin Spacey. Let's see, Kevin Spicy. We may have to mm-hmm. sue them. Oh no! I just pulled up Kevin Spacey. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh oh this is the worst guys, place you want to be guys we accidentally have kevin spacey on the podcast next week we can't oh get my rid God, of him that... hold on hold on bad news cancel the contest because at kevin spacey or spicy account suspended <laughs> how appropriate phenomenal oh what a good note to go phenomenal on. i um my new goal in life, besides getting this account made for, for Miles Harassment, is that we get Kevin Spacey on the podcast and Ke- Miles has to explain Kevin Spacey to him. I guarantee you will not be able to get me on the same podcast as Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sick that week. Oh. I, I, would, this I is, would have a lot of fun. This is one I would have a lot of fun. I'm not going to indulge. <laughs> I would have a lot of fun with isolated audio that week. Yeah. That one and the one with the puppets. Which puppet one? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. It's gonna we're going to go out on we're, we're going out on Steve's stroke. <laughs> <laughs> the robot's malfunctioning. Yeah. He needs to be charged. <laughs> All right. Sound effects. Uh, Steve, go plug yourself in. Miles, um avoid Kevin Spicy. I just imagine him like tweeting you but thinking it's direct messages. Yeah. Well, he just and signed I'm going... on Twitter at the last minute, you know. That's true. But he does understand it. He figured it out. At the last second. Hey, don't say you didn't write any character growth into that script. <sighs> I wrote something, <laughs> that's for sure. That's true. Um, and I am going to uh, go eat dinner and watch the new Guy Ritchie movie, which exists, I guess. But yeah. This time tomorrow, I will have been in a movie theater, so we can talk about that next week. Because uh, it's been 14 months. Question. Movie theater. Answer. Are you having popcorn? Eating anything? Or are you going to be masked up? And how's it going? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume they're not providing free food, and I don't think I'm going to be paying for the privilege of taking my mask off in a public place right now. But we shall see. Um, I will probably chug like a five-hour energy right before then, because it'll be a long day, and you know, I want to be awake for what I'm seeing, but mm-hmm. time will tell. So we'll talk about it next week. So until then, I've been Joey. Steve has been Steve. Miles has been Kevin Spicy. God damn. And we will, uh, and I will see almost no one at the movies tomorrow, but I'll be at the movies. So that'll be fun. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.